0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast. This episode explores the realities of yoga and life in the age of the coronavirus, which we find ourselves in now. I share with you some feedback and stories from within the yoga community As well as bringing in some traditional teachings from the path of yoga and meditation that I found extremely helpful and relevant for where we are now. I hope you'll find this episode to be like a friend on the path with you as we are now, sharing the journey together. As we sit with so much uncertainty these days, not knowing when we'll come out of lockdown. Not knowing if we'll be directly impacted, infected, or if someone in our close circle will, as we sit with uncertainty about our financial future and so many other things, there seems to be a feeling of being in the in between stage of not knowing. And This is a difficult space for even the most dedicated spiritual practitioners to be in. All the triggers of anxiety, fear, worry, anger, depression, all those negative patterns of the mind seem to really just get stimulated moment by moment without the normal distractions of work or shopping or going around and hanging out with friends and restaurants, bars, or little trips to distract the mind. We find ourselves in kind of forced seclusion in our homes, some sitting in various degrees of luxury, others sitting in cramped spaces, all sort of embarking upon an inner journey Um, kind of like a government mandated retreat. And this brings up kind of like a pressure cooker of the mind. Reminds me of a quote from a Navy SEAL that I read recently that says that in moments of challenge, we don't often rise up to the occasion. We sink down to whatever level of training we've been able to maintain. And that's the reason why, you know, the Navy SEALs train so hard. In the yoga world, we train so hard for the exact same reason. We train consistently through our daily yoga practice, through our meditation practice, so that when those real life situations, those challenges come up, we sink back to the level of training. The idea is to train the mind to orient towards a space which is beyond the waves and disturbances that inevitably come up these disturbing and temporary states which often end up as the fuel for many actions in life. So I want to start off next by reading a little bit from Youngi Mingyur Rinpoche's book called In Love with the World. He embarks upon a wandering retreat and shares a lot about the Tibetan teaching on the bardo states. These are normally or traditionally understood to refer to the space between incarnations, the space between death and birth, where the mind is entirely untethered from its previous associations with body, identity, and ego. In this space, the mind kind of goes wild, the emotions run vast cycles between extremes and peace can be really hard to find. But hidden in this teaching is the hope for renewal, rebirth, regeneration as well as guidance for staying the course through mental, emotional and other difficulty where we are right now. You can think of the Bardo teachings as guidance for the inner journey of the mind and that in many ways as we enter this in-between stage that clearly recognizes the loss of what we once had while we sit not yet reborn into what will be a new form, that the mind feels lost, the ego feels like its firm ground has just been pulled out from underneath it and that we are actually in this in-between stage. So here is the little section I wanted to read to you. And this is Yangi Mingyur Rinpoche talking about his journey. I am in the bardo of becoming right now, between the death of the old me and the birth of whatever comes next, becoming and becoming, always in the bardo of the unknown, the uncertain, the transient. Most of us have had plenty of experience with feeling sane and stable, and then sometimes we fall apart. We cannot hold it together, the patchwork unravels and the ground beneath us drops out. We find ourselves in between one state of mind and another. In extreme cases, we find ourselves in totally unfamiliar and frightening mental landscapes. These experiences of falling apart commonly occur with traumatic events that include shock and upheaval. Everyday occurrences of heartbreak and loss can be so wrenching and unexpected that they interrupt familiar ideas that we have about ourselves. The rupture knocks us off our feet. And we feel like we're falling or drowning, going down. We desperately strive to get back on firm ground to feel safe and supported. Even when we identify safety as a small island of familiar mental territory that is habituated to misperception, bardo can be understood to mean this very moment, the nowness of this moment. And this is, this is, this ends the quote from the young Yiming Rinpoche that I wanted to share with you. I find his words really appropriate for the in-between state that we are in now. It's as though we experience the, the death, the ending of something that we know has passed, a life that we've known up until now. We get the sense that the world has certainly changed. And yet, and yet we're here on the edge of what is very much a new space, something that we haven't quite left yet, this old world that many of us remember, we feel nostalgia for, we maybe had taken for granted, but want desperately to return to. And yet we know that there is no going back. There's an instinctual feeling that the world has certainly changed, but what it's changed to, we certainly have not yet arrived at. And then this brings up so much uncertainty So for the last 20 years, I've been a teacher of yoga, practitioner for even longer than that. And while I certainly have been what some would say at the very edge of teaching yoga online, I have spent the majority of my time teaching directly to students in person. Never did I imagine a world when the majority of teaching yoga would happen virtually in the online space. And this is what's happening now. This is how the conventional modes of the world of teaching yoga and practicing yoga have just been completely appended. Here we are now, and I'm very interested in exploring together with you what yoga looks like now in the age of coronavirus. As we face these new challenges as spiritual practitioners, we sit assisted in our homes, watching a video to guide us through a practice, maybe joining a live class. And this has dramatically changed both how we relate to the practice, how we relate to one another. To be clear, before I continue the COVID-19 coronavirus situation we find ourselves in, this situation has disrupted so many aspects of life that it can be hard not to crumble under the sheer uncertainty of it all. Let me be absolutely clear and share that no disturbance of our normal life, whether we can come to a yoga class or not, whether we can join a meditation class or not, compares in any way to those individuals whose lives are truly at stake here. The real cost of these challenging times is felt in the staggering loss of life. People that have been infected and will never recover and the current statistics right now, and this is, of course, a rapidly evolving situation that m- may have changed already by the time you hear this, but current statistics show that one person dies of coronavirus-related illness every eight minutes in New York City. And that's put it in terms that we can really understand, because when you read these giant numbers of infections and mortality rates, it can be hard to relate with them. When we really put it there, it feels really personal and, you know, just very, very real. We're not even at the peak of the virus here in the United States, according to epidemiologists and experts. There's still so much left to do, there are those whose lives are on the line in the front lines to overcome the outbreak, doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers who are literally putting their own safety, you know, on the line to make sure that those who are ill and are unhealthy can get the support they need to recover. And there are those whose jobs have been deemed essential. People working in grocery stores, gas stations, pharmacies, restaurants that still do takeout and delivery, police officers, military personnel and numerous others who literally risk their lives so that some semblance of society remains while we shelter in place. So let us pause and reflect upon the enormity of the situation, and just give thanks for a moment to everyone on the front lines, send our prayers of healing to those who are sick, send thanks, gratitude and support to everyone on the front lines, and really... Pray for the healing of everyone who is sick, been exposed to the virus, or is testing positive right now. Let's all remember that as yoga practitioners, meditators, it's a privilege that we have. The fact that we have the time, the space to practice, a home to shelter in, this is a privilege. Not everybody has that. The fact that we have good internet to be able to stream, you know, a podcast, a video series, this is a privilege. The fact that we have the tools of yoga, this is a privilege. So we have to take a moment right now and really recognize that to have the mental, emotional, economic space, to even ponder what the state of yoga or life is amidst this ever-changing world in the midst of this crisis is itself a privilege. So let us use that privilege to reflect in earnest and understand where we sit on the spectrum of all possibilities so that we can both honor what's coming up for us individually as it arises, and also contextualize that within the larger world. Yoga teachers, myself included, we, like many others in the gig economy, have a life and a livelihood that's entirely dependent on themselves for showing up and teaching you know i show up to a class and i teach and this is my main source of you know livelihood this and many yoga teachers the same we show up and we get paid you know per students that show up and this is the way that the relationship works and the way we find our livelihood so we and you know are essentially these gig workers that show up and teach a class and and then leave and maybe go and teach another class or a private somewhere every yoga teacher is kind of in business for themselves with varying degrees of success and you know business acumen but the idea is that the The whole means by which we teach yoga is entirely dependent upon showing up. I mean, I've thought numerous times, you know, what if I was unable to go and teach? Well, then my entire quote unquote business would stop. Even yoga studios, which are registered as small, mostly registered as small businesses, are mostly mom and pop shops that run best when the owners are physically present and teaching many of the classes. There are very few studios that are venture capital backed and run as large scale corporate operations. Of course, there are some, but you know, they're struggling now as well. My husband and I own Miami Life Center, which we started more than 13 years ago. And just like all the other mom and pop studios out there, our yoga space runs the best when we show up. Neither yoga teachers nor yoga studio owners often have months of savings tucked neatly away to weather these economic storms that arise, let alone a global pandemic. I know most yoga teachers and studio owners live month to month with just enough money coming in to pay the rent and pay the expenses and pay the teachers and pay themselves and then You know, what a lot of yoga teachers often want to do is save money to continue their practice. So they're putting whatever money they have aside for a trip to India, a trip on retreats where they can actually go and return to their journey as a student. So rather than putting money away into, you know, savings accounts and these sorts of things, many yoga teachers and studio owners I know are pretty happy to. Live month to month and pay the bills, and then facilitate being able to go back to do what they're both passionate about, which is be students of yoga. So this means that it's the state of affairs that many yoga teachers are in a, and studio owners are in a really devastating situation today. I'm not here to complain. Again, as I mentioned before, it's a privilege to be in the world of, of, of yoga at all, but like other gig economy workers. There are things like health insurance that are in flux, sometimes tied to a place of employment if you're lucky enough to work in a larger gym or a larger chain of studios. But the reality is that most often yoga teachers, when they don't show up, they don't get paid. And this is a reality that so many of my colleagues are facing right now. So I asked my community how they were feeling and coping with with everything amidst this crisis. And I got a wide range of responses that I'd like to share with you. Some people are in their fourth, fifth, six weeks of lockdown. Others are just beginning the period of lockdown. Some places, like in Italy, people are not even allowed to go outside for a walk around the block. Other places, like here in Florida where I am, there are publicly mandated outdoor walking areas where people can engage in outdoor activity and people are allowed to go for walks. I'm really, really grateful for that. I couldn't imagine not being allowed to go for a walk around the block. That's a whole other level of lockdown. So I'm just super grateful that we can, in fact, engage in little small moments outdoors. What I did notice was that everyone who's a part of the yoga mindfulness community uniformly expresses such a deep gratitude that they have the practice, the yoga practice, meditation practice, spiritual practice, as a safe space to find relief and peace, a little bit of relief, a little bit of peace, amidst these difficult times. It's like the practice is a place that's a break from anxiety. There's a sense of a connection to, you know, what was, a connection to what will be, a kind of continuity, there is a sense of hope in the hearts of many practitioners, even though things are difficult. One person shared a quote from Viktor Frankl, and that quote says, what is to give light must endure burning. So it seems like we're in a period of burning, purification, where we're, we're all in process. We're going through things. We're in that, as Yangi Mingyi Rinpoche says, and we're in the bardo of becoming. We're in this in-between space. Some people, on a really positive note, actually said that they're practicing more because they have so much more free time. And that with that free time, they're able to get on their mats and develop a home practice. Some say that yoga is saving them from all of the craziness, from all the devastating doomsday projections and all of the anxiety that is so easily triggered. Others, recognizing their relative privilege, acknowledge that they're sheltering in a kind of luxury. Some people mention garden views, sea views, good amounts tucked away in savings to weather the storms and jobs that can be transferred to remote access. These are mostly students of yoga that share that, well, hey, their, you know, their job is actually okay, um, but they really still find practice as a refuge. The idea of developing a home practice right now is so poignant. There are so many people who said that although they really wanted to develop a home practice and unroll their mats at home, never been able to until now. So that this time and space is a real, real privilege, a real blessing, as long as you have the money to afford to quarantine yourself right now and you're able to maintain, you know, paying your utilities and your mortgage or rent right now without the steady income of a job. Almost every student of yoga, though, even those who really say I'm really happy for a home practice, I never thought I could do it on my own. I've really been able to do it. Every single student of yoga that has a teacher seems to say, I really miss my teacher, really miss my yoga center. And they just send all the support to the teachers and really say, you know, what can I do to support this community? I want to come back to this community after this period is over. The lucky few who say that their practice is even more consistent now without any need to rush lots of time to do the practice are really leading the, you know, inspiration train and helping all of us stay inspired. I personally, have been using videos and online live classes as a way to keep myself inspired, whether I'm teaching them or whether I'm joining them, it's been a real motivator for me. I've also heard from doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, and other essential workers on the front lines who say that they feel they live in an alternate reality. They, on one hand, feel fear every day, faced with the devastating realities of overburdened healthcare systems, hospitals pushed to the brink, People and authorities who are, you know, trying their best to organize some response, but it seems to be fragmenting, then these individuals have an immense burden. And at the same time, they say that they're feeling really deep meaning in their jobs and in the service that they can provide. More than anything, though, everyone on the front line is doing their best to prevent getting infected and being a carrier and passing the virus on to others like like we all really need to be thinking about right now the practice for everyone working on the front line what i've heard from students that have shared with me is that it's such a great refuge To turn to these online classes as a lifeline for mental health, that there's a sense of belonging, a sense of community and connection, even if it is just joining a live class and seeing that, hey, there are 20, 30, 100 other people online right now. Wow. To feel a sense of support. Yoga teachers are doing their best to hold that space. But many of them sit in a really different reality. Anxiety seems to be running high. Grief is really real for many people, many teachers, many people out there right now. There's a struggle for anyone and everyone who's lost their jobs trying to file for unemployment with limited benefits and navigate the space of recent government acts that try to provide economic relief. Celebrating health is a real big Theme: Everyone who's healthy takes moments out of their day to just find a small moment of gratitude, even just a "thank you" for my health. Health I feel something maybe many of us who survived this period will never take for granted again. There's gratitude for being able to take teaching online. The those those teachers who are relatively new to teaching find themselves in a difficult situation, just like the newly jobless who can't afford. Now, even the price of a low-cost online yoga channel or any Zoom classes offered by yoga teachers they once attended. Instead, there are free classes that are out there and those free classes are super important to really just make yoga available to everyone right now, not only those who have the money to be able to support. I've decided to keep all my live classes free and donation-based during this period. Uh, Some people had asked me to you know, offer something else. But for right now, that's that's my decision. And I I am taking, you know, donations to support my teaching. But I really believe that in, in, in making as much live free classes available to people right now during this time period, there are so many people practicing yoga who talk about what it's going to look like on the other side. Students wonder, am I going to be able to go back to my yoga class? Are the yoga classes ever going to be the same again? At the same time, there's a hope that what we'll go through will spark a period of growth and resiliency, almost as though what we will become will have to be better. We'll have to learn from this. There'll have to be some silver lining in this. And at the same time, there's this trepidation, this kind of fear that the world just might never be the same again. Financial worries abound and multiply. So it's this really big vacillation between hope and fear. And all the spiritual training that we go through is about training the mind to remain steady amidst these often violent fluctuations of up and down. Almost every yoga teacher I speak with sits with a kind of pressing sense of uncertainty. Many studios and teachers trying to migrate their in-person teaching online. Some are super successful. Some are having difficulties. I'm personally thankful to the work I've put in into teaching online over the past few years as I developed Om Stars, as I've been able to take some workshops even into the online space. Then my teaching has been able to find to, to, make, to really make that bridge even though it's not the same as being able to teach a group of really dedicated students in person. At Miami Life Center, we have a full schedule of classes on Zoom our teaching schedule looks like, our staff, our teachers sitting in front of our computer and guiding our students through the practice. Some yoga teachers find this space really difficult to navigate. And I've talked to many people that said they've lost the passion, the fire for the practice. How practice at home is unmotivating and the lack of connection to students feels disempowering. So we feel like where is it? you know we sit at home stricken with grief, anxiety, worry, Some people have other health issues that are showing up, like skin rashes, these sorts of things. so we feel like we're in this together, and every time we get on the mat, it's like a beacon of hope so so there is this feeling in the in the yoga world that everything has to be you know couched in these positive terms, so one of the things I think is so important is to recognize the shadow side to recognize. The anxiety, the grief, the anger, the depression that may be arising right now, and to just sit with it, not wallow in it, but to sit with it and acknowledge it. And this really allows you to just be present with where you are. In our yoga space, all of the asana that we do, and the tools of meditation, its not we're not doing this so that these waves of what we associate as the dark spaces of the mind will never come in. Instead, we practice so that when these spaces arise, we can tap into something which is beyond to try to deny depression if sadness is present, to try to deny anxiety if anxiety is present, just immediately stamp it out without, without sort of recognizing it is kind of a, a heinous act of denial. And instead, the whole yoga path is about really embracing vulnerability and loss and sitting with it and being with it with a recognition that this too shall also pass. My sadness, I'm not my sadness. This is a temporary stage, but let me feel it. Because if you resist it or deny it, it's, it gets buried or it stays longer and you know we turn it into a demon when it's really just a passing cloud in the vast expanse of the sky. So we, if we're using and expecting yoga and meditation to remove every anxious thought, every sad moment of our life will be let down. But what we're sitting with right now is kind of a very real and palpable opportunity for deep inner transformation. Instead of just pretending everything's rosy, instead of just ignoring the very hard realities that many of us are facing, we have the choice to be able to sit with where we are right now and just really feel all that's there. Um, With the understanding that, that the process, this is part of the process, the peaks and the valleys are all part of life. If we only aim for the peaks and we deny all of the valleys, then we as a culture deny this process of becoming, this process of rebirth, which can only come from the recognition and acceptance of death. And transition. So this is just to use that analogy of the bardo of becoming so that we think about this process of becoming and this process of entering into an intermediate stage. And we understand that moment by moment, we are constantly becoming. There's nothing that lasts forever. We are constantly different each day. So when we hear these news, news that comes in about yoga studios with multiple centers, thriving communities that have been around for 25 years, unable to pay their rent or get relief from their landlord's closing. And when we hear about, you know, our yoga teacher who's not able to take their classes online, our friend, uh, a friend of mine who shared and said that as of right now that they have zero dollars and zero cents to their names, we understand that there are, there's real suffering that's going on. We, 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 we may get to a point where we know someone that's been personally infected or even passed away as a result of coronavirus related infections. The circle gets closer and closer to home. Instead of running away, our spiritual training, what we revert to in this bardo state of becoming is to sit with everything that's present with the full recognition that there is something bigger. There is something grander. There is a big moment of learning here. When we think about the heartbreak that we feel, it's often in these moments of grief that we can look back and say, wow, that period that was really difficult for me, that period that seems to have almost broken me, that's where I grew the most. It's not fun when we're in it, but we look back and we can see that in moments of grief, in moments of anxiety, in moments of anger, we've planted seeds for a a totally different life. So while we sit in the reality of our changing world, we understand that there are impacts beyond the likes of which we can even imagine right now. The truth of change, impermanence, is felt more poignantly than ever. We are all in the bardo of becoming right now. We sit in a space stripped of our ego without our identities. It's easy to try to lash out and fight and try to hold on to the to the past and force the future to look like the past. But what we can do instead is just to be where we are, to be at the moment that's kind of on the edge of what will be a very pronounced transition, feeling all of our proclivities intensify right now. We can feel ourselves making the choice to become very human letting our humanity guide us. What does it mean to be human right now? Well, to be human means right now we suffer just enough to desire the way out of suffering. We don't have it too good right now. And at the same time, there's enough happiness and enough kind of recognition of something vast and beyond to help us orient towards that so that all our actions and all our thoughts right now in these days can just gently plant the seeds of a balanced approach to living a happier and more peaceful life. So yes, practice, practice now with all your heart and with all your soul. Don't worry about what practice looks like. It doesn't matter what shape or form it takes, but yes, practice and train, train with intelligence, train in the spiritual path because it's in challenging moments like these that you'll revert to your training. You'll go back to understanding the cycles of the mind, and you have a chance to in moments of anxiety not run away or deny, in moments of of small joys that are here and there to recognize the ephemeral fleeting nature of all of the joys. Everything is changing, everything is changing. Our task now is not to try to stop the change, but to learn to sit with this uncertainty too and understand that This is the deepest training we can be in when one chapter is not yet closed, but we can feel it closing and the birth of something new is promised, but we're certainly not there yet. We are in the bardo of becoming and we are just that, becoming. Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS, and that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime.